Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. It's been a very interesting few weeks now as I have started this new job, and my schedule has just radically changed because I've also started doing some schooling stuff on Monday evenings, but that really takes up stuff in the evening almost every single night. And then when you mix in all of that with church and then spending time with my wife and just all of these other obligations, it's making it harder to, I guess, be as fully prepared for these episodes. And so going forward, I do ask, please, if there's anything that I miss or misspeak on, let me know, uh, because there's a very good chance that I'm going to. I don't feel as prepared for these episodes as I normally do. Typically, I'll go in and I'll listen to an episode I'll watch the corresponding events in the movie and I just kind of just sit there and ponder on them a bit and then I'll usually start recording. And so, yeah, it is, uh, it's different for me right now. I'm still adjusting to this schedule, but no plans on changing the fact that I'm putting these out every single week. I enjoy doing this. I love talking about Harry Potter. This is something that has become part of my weekly routine and I don't want to change that because I really do enjoy doing this. Now, last week, we kind of, not kind of, we actually finished a two-part episode. It, it was a chapter that was just, there was so much in it, we needed to break it up into two episodes. And the the episode itself actually ended with Hagrid giving Harry his ticket for the train to get to school and tells him he needs to be at King's Cross Station September 1st. And if there's any problems with the Dursleys, to send him a letter by, by Owl and that she'll know where to, to find him. And he just bids him farewell. If the train kind of pulls out of the station, Harry turns to look to wave bye to Hagrid and he is gone. So right off the bat, we already know that this is very different than what happens in the movie where Hagrid actually takes him to King's Cross, gives him his ticket. But the thing that is still similar is that as Harry turns to talk to Hagrid about Platform 9 and 3 quarters, he's gone. He had vanished. But here in the book, we see that Harry actually goes back to the Dursleys. And it says that he was there for a month as the very first sentence of this chapter, which is chapter 6, the journey from platform nine and three quarters the very first chapter is harry's last month with the dursleys wasn't fun so we know that he was there at least a month and i just want to read you the the next couple of sentences here after it says that harry's last month with the dursleys wasn't fun it continues on it says true dudley was now so scared of harry he wouldn't stay in the same room while Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon didn't shut Harry in his cupboard, force him to do anything, or shout at him, in fact, they didn't speak to him at all. Half terrified, half furious, they acted as though any chair with Harry in it was empty. Although this was an improvement in many ways, it did become a bit depressing after a while. And you might sit and just wonder, like, if Harry has been just so mentally abused his entire life. What kind of mindset was he in if when the Dursleys suddenly changed tact and just start ignoring his existence, it makes him, I don't want to say miss that, but it, it depresses him. Like that's just something that's crazy to think about in the sense of like, 
he didn't care much for his life before. He had the happiest day of his life in the fact that he found out that he's a wizard, spent it with Hagrid, bought all of his school stuff, learned more about his history, and then it came back to this. And so maybe that's what's depressing him even is that he learned all of this stuff and now he's separated again from it for an entire month. Or that there's also the fact that he has spent his whole life with these people, Vernon, Petunia, and Dudley, and with them now ignoring his existence, maybe he does still feel more alone than he ever has. Because even though he's being mentally abused or tortured, being ridiculed, being put down, being bullied by his family, they were still there physically. He still had them, even in that small capacity like that. Either way, it says that he was depressed. But it is say that he kept to his room with his new owl for company, and he decided to call her Hedwig, a name that he had found in A History of Magic. And it says that his school books were very interesting. He laid on his bed reading late into the night. And so we do know that despite how it's portrayed going on in the future that he doesn't know much about his books, especially in the movies when they try and for some reason make him seem, especially in the fifth one, like a slack-jawed imbecile. His mouth just hangs open most of the time. That's so frustrating. But he spends time in his books. Like he does read them. He does get into them. And so that is a really cool aspect to think about too, is that he is exposed to these books. He spent, it says, nights late into the night reading his books I also just realized if you hear like it sounds like a clopping noise or a chewing noise, that is our puppy in the background as we uh, got her this antler to chew on that. And just before anybody jumps in, we do supervise her. We, we do watch what she is chewing and making sure that it's not splintering off that she can choke on it or anything like that. We're very intentional about what we give her to chew on, but she is chewing on it right now and you probably can hear it in the back. So the chapter continues on and says Harry spent the subsequent nights reading, spending time just watching Hedwig, and just spending time in his room. And it says every night before he went to sleep, Harry ticked off another day on a piece of paper that he had pinned to the wall, counting down the 1st of September. And then so the last day of August, he thought he better go talk to his aunt and uncle about getting to King's Cross Station. So he goes down to their living room where they're watching a quiz show on the television and he clears his throat to let them know that he was there. And Dudley screamed and ran out of the room because since he has returned, he being Harry, Dudley has been afraid of him and has just been doing this, running out of the room. He says he screamed and ran out of the room. So Harry clears his throat asks Uncle Vernon that, or doesn't ask, he tells Uncle Vernon that he needs to be at King's Cross tomorrow to go to Hogwarts. Uncle Vernon just replies to him and grunts. And then so Harry asks him, would it be all right if he give me a lift? And he's, he's replied to with a grunt. And Harry took that as a yes. So he said, thank you. And he was getting ready to go back upstairs when Uncle Vernon speaks up, says, funny way to get wizards to a school the train, magic carpets all got punctures, have they? They're actually trying to make a joke, but he's also saying it probably mockingly. And so Harry doesn't respond. Dudley then asks a different question. Where is the school anyways? To which Harry says, I don't know, realizing for the first time as he pulled the ticket that Haggard gave him out of his pocket. He says, I'll just take the train from platform nine and three quarters at 11 o'clock. 
in his in uncle stared platform what nine and three quarters and uncle vernon says don't talk rubbish there's no platform nine and three quarters harry says it's on my ticket uncle vernon says barking howling mad the lot of them you'll see you just wait all right we'll take you to king's cross now i want to point out the beginning of a theory i'm going to explain it later this might be another two-part episode and if so this will probably be in the second part but I think that Platform 9 and 3 quarters is relatively new in the fact that I think that maybe the platform number changes. And the first part of it being this, because Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia look at each other when Harry mentions the platform number as if they had never heard of this before and we've already discussed in previous episodes about how aware uncle vernon is of the magical world because of petunia telling him everything obviously she grew up with lily and so she was affiliated with lily going to school for seven years and knowing how she probably would have done it at first because of jealousy and then later on obviously out of just spite and envy which is still probably in and around jealousy but for petunia to look as confused as uncle vernon here and not understand what's going on kind of shows you that it might not have always been platform nine and three quarters and i'm going to explain more of this later on but uncle vernon does agree to take harry to king's cross says they're going to london tomorrow anyways or he wouldn't bother harry asks why they're going to london and Vernon replies, taking Dudley to the hospital. Has to have this ruddy tail removed before he goes to smeltings. Dudley has been living with this pig's tail for a month now. Like, no wonder, one, he's scared of Harry. But, two, he's probably still having issues sitting down. And it's comical to me just thinking about Dudley with this tail for an entire month. That would have been something in itself just to put in the movie. So the next morning, Harry wakes up at 5 in the morning, and he was just too excited and nervous to go back to sleep. So he gets up, he's checking all of his stuff, making sure he has everything ready. And two hours later, the Dursleys are up, they're all packed, Harry's trunk's in the car, and they're ready to go. And Petunia had to talk Dudley into actually sitting next to Harry on the way there. They get to King's Cross Station, it's half past 10, and Uncle Vernon actually puts Harry's trunk on a trolley, and Vernon himself wheels it in to the station, and Harry thought it was really kind, and that was until Uncle Vernon just stopped dead in between Platforms 9 and Platforms 10 with this nasty grin on his face. He said, there you are, there's the platforms, should be somewhere here in the middle. They don't seem to have built it yet, have they? And then... Harry's looking around and says, of course, he was right. There was a big plastic number nine over platform number nine and a big plastic 10 over the one next to it. And in the middle, there was nothing at all. And so Uncle Vernon says, have a good term. And they are on their way out. His smile was nastier than it was before. And they left without saying another word. And so Harry's just left there. He turned around. He saw them all drive away. All three of them were laughing. says that Harry's mouth went rather dry. He has no idea what he's going to do. He's literally just left here at the station alone. So what is going to happen? So Harry's standing there trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And he's starting to attract a lot of funny looks because of Hedwig. She's in the cage here. 
not typical to see a snowy owl just here in the middle of a train station like this. And so he decided that he was going to stop and ask somebody about the platform. So he stops a guard that's going by. And now in the movie, when he stops the guard, he straight up asks him about platform nine and three quarters. And we get that the line from the guard who is there, nine and three quarters. Think you're being funny, do you? Nine and three quarters. And that's not what happens here in the book. In fact, Harry is actually tactful enough to not mention nine and three quarters. He doesn't want to, I guess, come across as weird or strange. It says that he didn't dare mention nine and three quarters. The garden had never heard of Hogwarts. And when Harry couldn't even tell him what part of the country it was in, he started to get annoyed as though Harry was being stupid on purpose. And so Harry then is just growing desperate. He had asked for a train that left at 11 o'clock, but the guard said there wasn't one that left at 11. And in the end, the guard strode away muttering about time wasters. And so you still kind of see a resemblance to what happens in the movie as the guard wanders away, kind of muttering to himself. At this point, Harry is borderline panicking. He doesn't know what to do. According to a clock that had the that was on the arrivals board, he had about 10 minutes left to get on the train to Hogwarts, and he had no idea how to do it. He was stranded in the middle of the station with a trunk he could hardly fit. Sorry, he could hardly lift a pocket full of wizard money and a large owl. And so he starts to speculate Hagrid must have forgotten to tell him something that you had to do, like tapping the brick that was on the left to get into Diagon Alley. And he's just wondering to himself if maybe he should like pull his wand out and start tapping on things, trying to figure out one way or another how to get into this platform. And then at this moment, as he's contemplating these things, a group of people pass by. It's just right behind him. And he caught a few words of what they were saying. And this is what you hear being said in the movie as well. Packed with muggles, of course. And so Harry swings around, and the speaker was a plump woman who was talking to four boys, all with flaming red hair, and each of them were pushing a trunk that was like Harry's, all in front of them, and it says here, and they had an owl, and I'm guessing they're probably talking about Errol, we don't hear the name of their owl just yet, but Harry sees them and recognizes them, and could tell that they were wizards, and something that I thought about in regards to this is just in in regards also to what I'm about to bring up next in the sense of the platform number changing. You know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to talk about it here when I get to that. It says, Harry swung around and the speaker was this woman. They had an owl. He recognized them as wizards. His heart is just going nuts. It's hammering. He pushed his trolley after them. They stopped and so did he just near enough to hear what they were saying. This is one of the reasons why I think that the platform number changes from time to time because Molly says here, now what's the platform number said the mother's boy. I just call her Molly as if I'm we've already like we already established who she was. We already know who this is, but the book hasn't yet. So we're going to go back to her not having a name. So just kind of forget all of that. Now what's the platform number said the boy's mother nine and three quarters piped up a small girl also redheaded, who was holding her hand. Now, this is why I think that this might change. 
you you can't tell me that whether you want to say it's mom brain or or whatever i i don't care you cannot tell me that the 7 years that she would have went to school and the you had 14 years between bill and charlie a few more years with percy and then maybe two or three more with the twins and this is just crazy to me that she wouldn't know what the platform number would be doing this year after year after year for many years now and then also doing it herself i think that this would be a really good way to maybe keep your anonymity if you're hogwarts because you have to think for centuries now for however long king's cross has probably been there people were getting to hogwarts on the hogwarts express and we're going to talk a little bit about the Hogwarts Express in a bit. But wizards were using it to get to Hogwarts. Year after year, kids are pushing trolleys. They have their animals. They have their school trunks. Somebody's got to eventually notice. They've got to see something. We don't ever see any kind of magic that is put up like you see at Hogwarts or the Leaky Cauldron or Number 12 Grimold Place where muggles are kind of just missing it like they don't see it their eyes slide from one side of it to the next without actually seeing it themselves no it is they're relying on people to just pass through the barrier unnoticed which is very foolhardy to me personally i think that's you're banking on a lot here with anybody being able to see it but i think one of the surefire ways that you could kind of fight that fight would be changing the platform number from time to time, whether it's every 20 years, every 25 years, every 30 years, however long it is. But what you see here is that Molly, for some reason or another, forgot. And if it had been the same platform she was using, had it been the same platform that Petunia would have probably been aware of when it came to Lily leaving, which you can't tell me that she would not know that when after all of these years at the third book, she knows what Dementors are. She just spits it out automatically. She knows where here in the first one, she's giving Vernon a unknowing look like she didn't understand either what nine and three quarters was. And so it must have been something new for her as well. I honestly think that the platform number changes and I think it is to probably protect the anonymity of wizards going to and from the Hogwarts Express. So the, the little girl that's holding her mom's hand here says mom can't i go and the woman replies you're not old enough jenny now be quiet all right percy you go first so we see what looked like the oldest boy march towards platforms nine and ten harry's watching them he's careful not to blink he doesn't want to miss any of this and a large crowd of tourists had really come swarming there in front of him and by the time that the last rucksack had cleared away the boy vanished. This is just one of those really frustrating situations where you're trying to see what happens. And in that exact moment, something passes in front of you and makes you miss it. But the boy had gone. Harry didn't see what happened. And the the plump woman then says, Fred, you next. I also want to point out, I am not calling her plump. The book calls her plump. So please don't, don't put that on me because I would not say that. But she says, Fred, you're next. And this is where we get this really great line, which we see in the movie. I'm not Fred. I'm George. <laughs> he says, honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. Can't you tell I'm George? 
And she says, sorry, George, dear. And then he says, only joking, I am Fred. And then he went off. His twin called after him to hurry up. And he must have done because a second later he had gone to, but how had he done it? So the first time I read this, I was really confused about what just happened here. But what I'm guessing is, is that Fred went through the barrier and then through the barrier called back after George. And then George went running through a second later and Harry wasn't sure exactly what had just happened or what he had just seen. Now, the third brother was walking briskly towards the ticket barrier, and he was almost there, and then it just, out of nowhere, just disappears. So, not sure what is going on. He just, out of nowhere, just disappears. And so, Harry just, he gave up. He didn't understand, and he he finally goes in. He says, excuse me. He's talking to the mother here, and she turns and says, hello, dear. First time at Hogwarts, Ron's new, too. And so she pointed at the last and youngest of her sons. He was tall, thin, and gangling with freckles, big hands and feet, and a long nose. Now, I actually want to read something to you guys from Pottermore. It's J.K. Rowling's thoughts on Platform 9 and 3 quarters. It says, In choosing the number of the concealed platform that would take young witches and wizards to boarding school, I decided that it would have to be a number between those of the muggle platforms. Therefore, it was clearly a fraction. This raised the interesting question of how many other fractional platforms lay between the whole numbered platforms at King's Cross, and I concluded that there were probably quite a few. This also backs up my theory that the platform number changes. J.K. Rowling herself says that there are quite a few fractioned platforms at King's Cross. So we just had our first description of Ron being tall, thin, gangling, with freckles, big hands and feet, and a long nose. Harry replies yes to the mother's question first time at Hogwarts. And he says the thing is, is that I don't know how to... And she finishes the sentence for him, how to get onto the platform, she said kindly, and Harry nodded. She says, not to worry. All you have to do is walk straight at the barrier between platforms 9 and 10. Don't stop and don't be scared. You'll crash into it. That's very important. Best do it at a bit of a run if you are nervous. Go on now before Ron. Harry says, all right, okay, and he pushed his trolley around, stared at the barrier, and he says, it looks very solid. It's intimidating running at a straight brick wall, and so he started to walk towards it. People jostled him on their way to the platform, and he started to walk more quickly, and he was going to smash right into it. This is what he was saying. He's going to smash right into it in the ticket box, and then he'll be in trouble. And so leaning forward in his trolley, he broke into a heavy run, and the barrier was coming nearer and nearer, and he wouldn't be able to stop in time. The trolley was out of control, and then he was a foot away. He closed his eyes, ready for the crash, and it didn't come. He kept on running. He opened his eyes. And there was a scarlet steam engine that was waiting next to a platform packed with people. A sign overhead said, Hogwarts Express, 11 o'clock. Harry then turns around. He looks behind him and he saw what, well, it is a wrought iron archway where the ticket box had been with the words platform nine and three quarters on it. He had done it. He had got through 
the barrier, he found where he needed to be. So it continues on. It says, Smoke from the engine drifted over the heads of the chattering crowd, while cats of every color wound here and there between their legs. Howls hooted to each other in a disgruntled sort of way over the babble and scraping of heavy trunks. Harry's making his way down the platform. He passes the first few carriages. They're packed with students, people that were hanging out their windows trying to talk to families and others that are fighting over seats. And as he's pushing his trolley down the platform, searching for an empty seat, he passed a round-faced boy who was saying, Gran, I've lost my toad again. And the, the old woman replies, Oh, Neville. And then a boy with dreadlocks who was surrounded by a small crowd. Give us a look, Lee. Go on. And the boy lifted the lid of a box in his arms, and the people around him shrieked and yelled as something inside poked out a long, hairy leg. I feel like this is probably something that would make Hagrid proud and happy. But we just met Lee Jordan and Neville Longbottom here. Harry continues to pass through the crowd until he finds an empty compartment near the end of the train. He puts Hedwig inside first and then starts to shove and heave his trunk inside. He tried lifting it up the steps, but he just couldn't raise it on his own. He could hardly do it. And twice he had dropped it painfully on his foot. And then somebody asks, do you want a hand? He says, yes, please. The reply is, oi, come here, Fred, come here, help. With the twins' help, Harry's trunk was at last tucked away in the corner of the compartment. So the, the 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 twins that he had met, or not met, had seen, he had watched them disappear into the barrier, came over and helped him. He says thanks, pushing his sweaty hair out of his eyes. And so it, what he's doing, he's moving his hair out of his face, which then obviously reveals something on his forehead. Question immediately is, what's that, said one of the twins, pointing at Harry's lightning scar. Blimey, said the other twin, are you? He is, said the first twin, aren't you? He added to Harry. Harry says, what? Harry Potter chorused the twins. So they're saying this at the same time, which we get a lot in the movies when they talk together. I love that part. And Harry's response is, oh, him. Oh, I mean, yes, I am. And the two boys kind of gawped at him, and Harry felt himself go red. Then to his relief... A voice came floating in through the train's open door. Fred, George, are you there? They reply with coming mom. They take one last look at Harry and then they hop off the train. Harry then sits down next to a window where he's half hidden and he can watch this redheaded family on the platform and hear what they're talking about. And this is where you hear something that is actually talked about in the movie later on, still on the train though. You hear... Ron, you've got something on your nose. The youngest boy tried to jerk out of the way, but she grabbed him and began rubbing the end of his nose. Mom, get off. He wiggled free. Ah, uh, has Ickle Ronnie got something on his nose? And I, I purposely said something weird like that because it's how it's said here in the book. That was one of the twins who says that. Ron replies with, shut up. The mother then replies with, where's Percy? And somebody then says, he's coming now. And the oldest boy came striding into sight. He had already changed into his billowing black Hogwarts robes, and Harry noticed the shiny red and gold badge on his chest with the letter P on it. And he says to his mom, can't stay long. I'm up front. The prefects have two compartments to themselves. And this is where we get a little brotherly banter. I absolutely love this. Oh, are you a prefect, Percy? Said one of the twins with an air of great surprise. You should have said something. We had no idea. Hang on, I think I remember him saying something about it, said the other twin once, 
or twice a minute all summer. Percy replies with, shut up. And then we actually get a little bit of brotherly jealousy. How come Percy gets new robes anyway, said one of the twins. Because he's a prefect, says their mother fondly. Now, she kisses Percy on the cheek, and he leaves, and then she turns to the twins. Now, you two, this year, you behave yourselves if I get one more owl telling me you've you've blown up a toilet or... And they reply, blown up a toilet? We've never blown up a toilet. That's a great idea, though. Thanks, Mom. She says, it's not funny. Look after Ron. And they reply with, don't worry, Ickle Ronikins is safe with us. This, again, is these great nicknames that you get. Ron says, shut up. He was almost as tall as the twins already, and his nose was still pink where his mother had rubbed it. And then one of them says, Mom, guess what? Guess who we just met? And then this, at this point, Harry leans back quickly so they couldn't see them looking. The twins continue, you know, the black-haired boy who was near us in the station. Do you know who he is? She says, who? He says, Harry Potter. Harry heard the girl's little voice. Oh, mom, can I go on the train and see him? Mom, please. She replies, you've already seen him, Ginny, and the poor boy isn't something you goggle at. But you also see almost some unbelief from her when she says, is he really, Fred? How do you know? He then replies with, asked him. We saw his scar. It's really there like lightning. She then continues, and you already see the, the, the motherly instinct turn on. Poor dear, no wonder he was alone. I wondered. He was ever so polite when he asked how to get on the platform. The twins interrupt her. Never mind that. Do you think that he remembers what you know who looks like? And then, boom, suddenly... She became very stern. I forbid you to ask him, Fred. No, don't you dare, as though he needs reminding of that on his first day at school. The whistle for the train then goes off, and the mother says, hurry up. The boys clambered onto the train, and they then leaned out the window for her to kiss them goodbye, and their youngest sister began to cry. Don't, Jenny. We'll send you loads of owls. We'll send you a Hogwarts toilet seat. George, only joking, Mom. And then the train began to move. Harry saw that the brother's mom was waving and their sister, half laughing, half crying, running to keep up with the train while it gathered too much speed. Then she fell back and waved. Harry watched the girl and her mother disappear as the train rounded the corner. Now, on the next page, this is the first page in a while that we've had a, a good portrait that is done. And this is just a continuation of what you see on the front cover of the book. Again, the illustrated version by Jim Kay. And it's a great portrait of the Hogwarts Express, kind of perched up on one of the like overhangs on the wall. It's almost like an owl's perching. It's like that point of view where you're looking down over the front of the Hogwarts Express. There are people walking all along the platform. There's steam billowing everywhere, and everything's kind of just obscured by all of the steam and smoke. And again, this is still the same picture that I talked about in the first episode when we talked about the cover of the book, because this is also on the cover. You do see Harry standing front and center here, pushing his trolley with Hedwig here on it in her cage, you see other owls just flying around. A few other animals. It looks like you see some pigeons. You see Trevor the Toad sitting on, it looks like maybe a hat case. And 
a few cats. And then at the very front of the train, it's sitting like right at the very front is a golden hog with wings. Back behind it is the very front of the train where you have like this this black paint on the the very front has a red star there's a lantern on top of that that's facing out towards the front not a lantern it's the actual train light and you have a smokestack right behind that lantern there are people leaning out of the windows there are people just all over the place it's actually it's just just a really cool photo to see not a photo painting this is an illustration and it's gorgeous. I highly, again, I highly recommend if you don't have the illustrated versions, go get them because they're amazing. But with that, we transition now more into the interior of the Hogwarts Express. And before we do that, I want to just read what Pottermore actually has and what J.K. Rowling says about the Hogwarts Express. It says, as we know from early historical accounts and from the evidence of early woodcuts and engravings Hogwarts students used to arrive at school in any manner that caught their fancy. Some rode broomsticks, a difficult feat when carrying trunks and pets. Others commandeered enchanted carts and later carriages. Some attempted to apparate often with disastrous effects as to the castle and grounds have always been protected with anti-apparition charms others rode a variety of magical creatures in spite of the accidents attendant on these various modes of magical transport not to mention the annual muggle sightings of vast numbers of airborne wizards traveling northwards it remained the responsibility of parents to convey their children to school Right up until the imposition of the International Statue of Secrecy in 1692, at this point it became a matter of urgency to find some more discreet method of transporting hundreds of wizarding children from all over Britain to their secret school in the Highlands of Scotland. Port keys were therefore arranged at collecting points all over Britain. The logistics caused problems from the start. Up to a third of the students would fail to arrive every year, having missed their time slot or been unable to find the obtrusive enchanted object that would transport them to their school. There was also the unfortunate fact that many children were and are port key sick, and the hospital wing was frequently full to bursting for the first few days of every year while susceptible students overcame their hysterics and nausea. While admitting that port keys were not an ideal solution to the problem of school transportation, the Ministry of Magic failed to find an acceptable alternative. A return to the unregulated travel of the past was impossible, and yet a more secure route into the school, for instance, permitting a fireplace that might be officially entered by flu powder, was strongly resisted by successive headmasters who did not wish the security of the castle to be breached. A daring and controversial solution to the thorny problem was finally suggested by Minister for Magic, Adeline Gamble, who was much intrigued by muggle inventions and saw the the potential of trains. I think this is uh, right up Arthur Weasley's alley here. Where exactly the Hogwarts Express came from has never been conclusively proven, although it is a fact that there are 
secret records at the Ministry of Magic detailing a mass operation involving 167 memory charms and the largest ever mass concealment charm performed in Britain. The morning after these alleged crimes, a gleaming scarlet steam engine and carriages astounded the villagers of Hogsmeade, who had also not realized that they had a railway station. While several bemused muggle railway workers down in crew spent the rest of the year grappling with the uncomfortable feeling that they had mislaid something important. The Hogwarts Express underwent several magical modifications before the ministry approved it for school use. Many pureblood families were outraged at the idea of their children using muggle transport, which they claimed was unsafe, insanitary, and demeaning. However, as the ministry decreed the students either rode the train or did not attend school, the objections were swiftly silenced. And so, yeah, that's an amazing just bit of history about the Hogwarts Express. It was crazy to think that before the Hogwarts Express, that people were using any means of transportation that they could, flying on broomsticks, apparating, or at least attempting to apparate, it said to disastrous consequences, magical creatures, anything that they were that they could do, they were trying to do it. And it led to a lot of probably injuries and also muggle sightings. And to see the implementation then of the Hogwarts Express really ruffled the feathers of the purebloods and... I don't want to say rightfully so, but it is very believable in the fact that they hate any and all things muggle related. And so for them to have to swallow that pill in which like their kids have to then use muggle transportation in order to get to where they're going, it also is honestly very ingenious when you think about it because if you're trying to blend in as the magical world into the muggle world – Using their transportation is a great way of doing so. Nobody's going to really probably bat an eye at a steam engine just traveling through the countryside. And honestly, I think that's where we are going to end with this chapter for now. I said earlier this would probably be a two-part chapter. And next week, there's still 10 pages of this chapter to go. So there's still a lot in here to talk about. And it's it's, it's exciting. I, I am really excited to to go into this chapter we're starting to get really into the meat and potatoes of this story this isn't just introductions anymore we are starting to get our looks into the wizarding world we're going to be arriving at hogwarts there's going to be a lot more to talk about and i think that having the two-part chapters is something that's going to become much more common moving forward because there's going to be so much to go through. There's going to be so much to talk about when we get to Hogwarts and everything that is there. And even moving into the the next few books, obviously the first three books being the shortest three, it's going to be easy to talk about how the movies and the books are related. Once we get past that and we get into Goblet of Fire and on, and there's so much more book to movie, that's where there's going to be a lot of striking differences especially to anyone who hasn't read the books but has only watched the movies once we get into those books there's going to be a lot of things that you didn't realize you've missed out on and so yeah that's where we're going to leave this one for tonight i want to thank you guys again so much for listening if you guys are 
liking the podcast, please talk about it. I've had people come up to me and tell me that they've really enjoyed it. They're telling their friends about it. Please do the same. If you enjoy this, if you know anybody who likes Harry Potter, even in the slightest bit, tell them about the podcast. Have them listen to it. I had one guy who told me that um, his kids are listening to it. And even a, a friend of mine, uh, a buddy of mine who actually, uh, he cuts my hair. It's my one of one of two of my barbers because they both work in the, the same place. They uh, they both have kids. But the one who was cutting my hair told me today that his, his son actually likes the sound of my voice, which is really funny to me uh, that he has his, uh, his very young son listening to this podcast as well. They're getting to enjoy this together. And so that's, that's really cool to me, but please like it, share it on any of your social media platforms, please share it. If you are listening to this on one platform, but you would prefer to listen to it on another, uh, just know we are on all major platforms for podcasting. We are on Google. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple if there's anywhere that you guys do prefer to listen that I'm not on, let me know. I know that there are a few other places that we can put this out there, whether it's like iHeartRadio or Stitcher. Let me know, and I will do my best to get it on there. But please, like it, share it, leave a comment if there's able to be a comment review on there. And then also, if I'm missing something, if there's something that I could be doing better, or if there's something you want me to talk about, or if you have a request for a creature you would like to have talked about, email me commonroomtalk at gmail.com. Please, it's all one word, super easy, just the title of the show, at gmail.com. I want to hear from you guys. I'm very interested to hear your guys' thoughts. So please, reach out to me, send me an email, look me up on social media. We do have a Facebook group page for this. If you're listening and you want to see how you can better stay in contact, uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, Again, Common Room Talk. We're also on Instagram, Common Room Talk. So please find us, share us, talk about us. Again, thank you so much, guys, for listening. My name's Tony. I'm your host, and this is Common Room Talk.